0: Hey, this is Scott. Thanks for checking out the podcast of Grace Fellowship Church. Hope it's encouraging for you and helps you take your next steps in your faith journey. Enjoy. Uh, we are continuing a series that Pastor Scott started a couple weeks ago called Stops Along the Way. And this idea is simply to learn... Um, from Jesus on how he taught his disciples along the way. Jesus lived with his disciples, he traveled with his disciples, and as he discipled them or taught them, he did it almost in impromptu lessons along the way, stops along the way. He didn't set up a commune and say, everybody come to me and I'm gonna train you in a classroom for the next two or three years of my ministry. No, he didn't do that. He did it along stops along the way as they were doing life together, living with one another. And you've been looking through the scriptures and following Jesus and how he taught his disciples about what the kingdom of heaven is and a little bit or actually a lot about the heart and the mind of his heavenly father. And we're going to continue that series today and we're going to look at actually two stops along the way today. And this is not so much about, Jesus isn't so much concerned about the location of the stops, more of as the days of uh, the stops. So if you, does that makes sense? He's not so concerned about where we're stopping, but he's more concerned about the day in which they are stopping to teach his disciples a spiritual truth about heaven. And we're looking at Mark chapter 2. You can turn your Bibles there or you can follow along. Mark chapter 2 verses 23 into the beginning of chapter 3. And as we've been, if you were to read all of Mark chapter 2, you would see that Jesus is, is beginning to his ministry and he's often having conflicts with the religious leaders of the day. And even in Mark chapter 2, this we're running into this stop here. That we're looking at today we're running into the fourth conflict just within this chapter that Jesus is having with the religious leaders of the day so there's going to be two conflicts to happen here um, six within this first chapter and then into the beginning of chapter 3 but Jesus is pressing in on some false um, conceptions or ideas that the people of those days were having So, follow along with me up on the screen or in your Bibles, Mark chapter 2. I'm reading from the NIV version. It says, One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Next slide there. He, He answered them, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for the priest to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. See, Jesus is clarifying what the Sabbath is. Is about and this stop here. Jesus is stopping on the Sabbath and he's clarifying what the purpose of the Sabbath is and that's what we're looking at today. The big idea is that we're going to see that the Sabbath was made for man and Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. This is a teaching that Jesus wants to make clear to the people of the time of what the Sabbath is all about. And Jesus is is addressing a tension here that we see in the scriptures and among the time of that day as well as in today as well. And that tension that he's addressing is, is that it can, it's possible to be very religious and yet very selfish. He's addressing this tension here that you can be extremely religious and yet be very selfish. Selfish. And he's pressing into this religious uh, religious um, beliefs of the Pharisees of the day, and he's pressing and say, "Look, you're very religious. You know the law inside and out, and you practice the law, the rules of the scriptures, even more rules than what are actually in the scriptures, and you're an expert at it. But yet, you are very selfish, very self-focused upon yourself." Let's take a moment, just a moment, just to be still before the Lord and focus upon Him this morning. Father, we come before You today grateful to worship You. You are the creator of the heavens and the earth. And it's so amazing that we get to call You Father when we place our faith in Your Son, Jesus. So, Lord, we come to you today asking that you would speak to our hearts. That you would show us areas in our hearts that have become calloused or hardened towards you or towards others. Lord, would you help us to see, to to reflect upon our lives today and compare them to what you're teaching us today in the book of Matthew. We ask, Lord, that you would change us, that you would transform us to be more like you, Jesus, I pray. Amen. So, the Sabbath. What is the Sabbath? It's something that we don't talk about very much, but there is a long history of God's people about the Sabbath. So let's just look about what the history is of the sabbath it actually started right in the beginning of creation right from the get-go the first week that God created the heavens and the earth he talks about the seventh day of the sabbath look up with me up at the screen Genesis chapter 2 it says by the seventh day God had finished the work he had been doing so on the seventh day he rested from all his work and God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Right in the first week of existence of the earth, God sets this rhythm in place. He sets a precedent that even himself, who doesn't need to rest, takes a day to rest. He's setting a precedent for the foundation of the earth and for his people. And he gives the reason uh, that we see here that there is a rhythm between work and rest. And take notes, the last day that he created uh, the earth and all the things on the earth, he created who on the last day? Adam, right? Man was created on the sixth day. So if you think about it, Adam's first day on earth in existence It was a day of rest. Have you ever thought about that? That Adam's first day actually was a day of rest to enjoy God and to enjoy the creation that God had just made. And then Adam began to work out of this rest. But then, continuing on, we see this in the beginning of creation that God had set in place the seventh day, a day of rest. And then we see that it's given in the Ten Commandments. Now this is a commandment that, to be honest, many of us as evangelical Christians don't really keep. It's the one commandment that we, out of the ten, say, oh, you know what, it's not really for today anymore. Why is that? Why is it that we, we have this clause about the fourth commandment that God gave us out of the ten? Every other, ten, every other we keep, but the, the fourth one, we're like, you know what, it, it doesn't matter for us today. We can do whatever we want, whenever we want right? But we see that God gave it as a command. In Exodus chapter 20, you can look up there, we see the first time for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day, therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. We see that uh, Moses, as he's writing this from God had given him, the reason for keeping the Sabbath was because God had made it holy and because God is holy. And that God set a precedent precedent, uh, that we're supposed to quit doing and simply be. And this is divine. In fact, God is the one who started this himself. It's commanded so that we internalize the being of just being and allows us to mature and to then go into our doing. This is not just a day off from work. It's not just a vacation day to fill with entertainment. There is something significant and holy that God has set in place from the foundation of the worlds. And we see a recording. Another another reason, um, a support of why we should be. Uh, practicing the Sabbath according to the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 15 there's another reason why God instituted the Sabbath and is commanding this he says remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm therefore the Lord your God has commanded you to obey the Sabbath day See the reason to keep it is that our ancestors, Moses is saying, in Egypt went 400 years without a vacation day. Never a day off. 400 years, never a day off. They were slaves. And the consequence was is that they were no longer considered persons. They were slaves. They were just hands, they were just work units, they were machines. They were not persons created in the image of God. They were equipment to make bricks and to build pyramids in Egypt. Humanity had been defaced. The moment that we begin to see others in terms of what they can do rather than who they are, we mutilate humanity and we violate community. When we all always we see as people as a, what they can do for us or what they can do instead of who they are and created in the image of God, We've taken and we've mutilated who God has made them to be. The Sabbath keeping is to preserve the image of God in our neighbors so that we see them as who they are and not as what we need and want from them, said Eugene Peterson, a pastor who is now with Jesus. So we see these commandments in the Old Testament that God had given about the Sabbath. Now at this stop, Jesus is clarifying what is the Sabbath? Because this is a history of that was given to the people, and they had been defining this. But what is Sabbath? Let's just, if we were to look at it and to continue to take the time to study through, Sabbath, or Shabbat, according to the Jewish teachings, is really about four things. It's stop work, okay? It's a biblical 24 hours of block of time in which we stop work, we enjoy rest, we practice delight, and we contemplate God. The traditional Sabbath begins at sundown on Friday and ends on sundown on Saturday. In most Christian traditions, uh, Sabbath has been observed on Sunday. But in Romans chapter 14, we see the Apostle Paul considered one day for Sabbath as good as another day. He clarifies that. If you go to Romans chapter 14, he says that one day is not better than the other day. Okay, so Paul is is clarifying that it's not necessarily about the certain day of the week, but about what that day represents that you choose to Sabbath, to spend time with God, to stop from your work, to enjoy rest. The fact that the Sabbath day happens weekly means it has a rhythm and one that stands in dark contrast to the typical rhythms of the world in which we live, especially American society. We go, 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 go. But God's rhythm, God has set this, pl- this rhythm in place that undergirds all of creation. Okay, you just think about the cycle of the day. There is light and there is dark. There is sunrise and there is sunset. The tides come in and the tides go out. An author, Wayne Mueller, says this. He says, to remember the Sabbath is not a burdensome requirement but rather a remembrance of a law that is firmly embedded into the fabric of nature. It is a reminder of how things really are. This rhythmic dance to which we unavoidably belong. You see, there's a rhythm in which this earth was created that God sets in place. It's a beautiful thing, and God has set this to be a weekly rhythm for us to stop from our work, to rest, to delight, and to contemplate and ponder the love of God. So, back, back to the stop. Why is Jesus picking this fight with these Pharisees? Why is he picking this fight with them? In Mark chapter 2, we see here, why is he pressing in when his Pharisees are watching them? They just kind of jump out of of the, the trees to say, hey, you guys are picking some grain over here in the field. Why were the Pharisees even in the field watching them? Well, we see they're looking to accuse him. They're watching him. And the reason why Jesus is picking this fight is because they had gotten it all wrong. They missed the point of the Sabbath. And as you've seen already so far and as you'll continue to see in the series of stops along the way, that so often Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of heaven, that Jesus is teaching about the heart of God. Not just the letter of the law, but that the heart of the law that was of the God who gave in, had given them the law. He's pressing in. It's not just about, you know, um, thou shalt not commit adultery. But he's saying, you should not look at a woman with lust in your heart. He's getting at the heart of things. And the Pharisees had had made up 39 categories of rules for the Sabbath. They had poured on all these extra rules of what the Sabbath should be. If you look in the Old Testament, there's not a lot of restrictions about the Sabbath other than stopping your work and the Pharisees said, you know what? There's not enough here. What does that actually mean? And they began to put up 39 categories. And in each category, they have rules upon rules. So like hundreds of rules about the Sabbath. And if you were to go and visit like Orthodox Jewish community, you would see all the rules that they have in place. If, if you've ever been like in um, maybe a big city where there's a lot of Jews, you'll you'll see like on the elevators to say this elevator is only, you know, available um, on the Sabbath. And there's different things that they have. There's different sidewalks that they can walk on and they don't walk on in different areas. But just some of the 39 categories that they have for the Sabbath. I'll just read to you all these rules that they have come up with. These are just categories with lists of rules under each category. But they had categories for the Sabbath on how much to carry, burning, extinguishing, finishing, writing, how much you could erase, how much you could cook, washing, sewing, tearing, knotting, untying, shaping, plowing, planting, reaping, harvesting, threshing, winnowing, selecting, sifting, grinding, kneading, combing, spinning, dying, chain switching, warping, weaving, unraveling, building, demolishing, trapping, shearing, slaughtering, skinning, tanning, smoothing, marking, a list and list of all these rules that they had come up with in order to be righteous. They had completely missed the point of the Sabbath. The Sabbath is to stop, to rest, to delight, and to contemplate and connect with God. Why? Why did God put together a Sabbath every day? Uh, every week why he said one day you shall take time to do this why is that because Jesus realizes that we can become quite weary very weary if we just keep going and going and going and going we can become weary. we can as um, a fellow cares pastor Jeff said coined a term soul weary a weary that is beyond just physically tired. A weary that is beyond just emotionally tired. But this is a soul weary that goes deep within the core of who we are. We can become so busy that we are too busy to care about the people we care most about. Have you ever been so busy that you realize realized you've become too busy to care about the people you care most about? And in that... Weariness, we can become hardened. We can become callous. We can become a shell of a person. And I've experienced that in my life. I've experienced where I've come to a place where I've been so busy that I was hardened towards the things of God and towards people around me. Even the people I cared most about my family, my wife. There was a time several years ago where. Uh, I was pastoring a church and we had a significant season of death in our church where in a matter of like 18 months, we had 12 deaths of people, people of like a 12 year old girl that was diagnosed with inoperable brain cancer that passed away from um, another lady who had brain cancer as well that passed away. She was only 55 years old to uh, my pastor who I was the associate and my senior pastor who had been my spiritual mentor and, and father and, and, and boss, passed away from um, pancreatic cancer all within this short period of time. And I found myself running to take care of the people and the needs, running to care for everyone, running to fill the hole of the pastor who had just died before me, grieving while taking care of them. And I was just running and I began to find myself looking to please people instead of please God. And my hearts had become hardened and calloused even towards my own family. And I can remember a time where, you know, we have six children and, and um, we had, we've committed to disciple and to shepherd these children together, my wife and I and uh, my oldest at this time was getting into the age of of dating and wanting to pursue relationships with uh, girls and uh, he had he had chosen a girl that we were not approved of because she wasn't a follower of jesus and anyways he's like i'm going out i'm going on a date with this girl i'm leaving and we had established with him that we we didn't want him to date non-christian girls and at this point he's like well hey i'm going out with this girl and, and I was like, well, i got to go to a meeting. And Elizabeth was like, what? where are you going? Where are you going? I'm like, I'm sorry. i got to go to an elders meeting. I'll see you later. You take care of that. And I, I have this vivid memory of just like walking off when something most important, when we had committed to raising these precious children together in the ways of the Lord. And I said, you know what? I'm too busy. i gotta do, I got to do what i got to do. You're on your own. And... I, I uh, had come to a place of just so weary. I was so calloused. And I, I had gotten to this point of like just um, uh, kind of an illustration or a story in my mind that I was like the sleeping giant in the back of a cave. I was in the, sleeping cu- uh, in the back of the cave. I was a sleeping giant. Meanwhile, outside of the face of the cave, there's this war going on for my children. For the souls of my children. And my wife is standing at the mouth of the cave saying, Andrew, wake up! Wake up! And I'm just like, just let me sleep. I just got to sleep. I got to sleep some more. While meanwhile, my wife is standing at the cave trying to battle for her children. I was at a place of just deep callousness because I had lost the rhythm of a weekly time of connecting with the Lord, of stopping and realizing that this isn't not my work, but it's His work, that I need to concentrate, that I can only accomplish um, anything when when I'm abiding in Christ, that apart from Him, I can do nothing. And it was by a, a, a gift from the Lord that my church gave me an extended Sabbath time to spend with the Lord. And it was in that extended Sabbath time that God woke me up. He woke up that giant that was asleep in the back of the cave to wake up, to go out to the face of the cave and begin battling for my own children and begin standing side by side with my wife to say, look, we have been given these arrows that God wants us to aim and to shoot to wherever He wants us, them to go. And so, God recognizes the need for this rhythmic time to spend with Him, to stop from our labor and our work, to connect with Him. And I was reminded of this question that Jesus asks often, and He says this, He says, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? I was beginning to see how I had forfeited my own soul by gaining the, by gaining the approval of mankind and the church and, and doing all the work that needed to be done. And I was seeking to make everybody happy around me except for really looking to seek the Lord, to listen, to abide with Him. So Jesus is clarifying what the Sabbath is for and who is lord of it. Jesus is saying here that the Sabbath is for man, not man for Sabbath. The Pharisees have made man for Sabbath. Man had become a slave to these 30, 39 categories and hundreds of rules of the Sabbath. And Jesus is saying, "I am lord of the Sabbath." And we continue on to chapter 3 here. We have the second stop of the two stops today that we're looking at. Now remember that His disciples are with Jesus. They're following along with Him. They're watching and they're learning how Jesus is teaching about what the Sabbath is because they've been good Jewish boys grown up to this time. They've learned all the 39 categories of what the Sabbath is. And Jesus, their Master, their Lord, is pressing in on some key things that they've just been taught. This is the way to do it. And Jesus is not intimidated at all by the Pharisees. And he says, Another time he went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was um, there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man without, with the shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, Which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save or to kill? He asked them a very simple question, a very obvious question to answer, right? Is it lawful to do good or evil? Is it, is it lawful to save a life or to kill a life? Right? It's very easy to answer, right? but there's silence. These guys who had their doctorates in theology couldn't even answer a simple question, what is good or what is evil? What is right and which is wrong? They were silent. And the silence created something within Jesus. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts and said to them, said to the man, Stretch out your hands. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Ironic, isn't it? Here we have these religious leaders who are so intent about following the laws of the day that here is a man who had a shriveled hand that they were more concerned about... Um, whether it was right or wrong to help this man out. This man obviously probably could not work and do his job with a withered hand back in those days where they were tradesmen and only had one hand to work so he probably was only able to do little work if not any work at that time. And these men were so concerned about condemning Jesus for healing them. Jesus is angered. He's distressed. He's grieved over their stubborn hearts. In the original language here, it actually means that their hearts were not callous, but stubborn to the purpose of God. Their hearts had become stubborn to the purposes of God. This is the opposite of humility and teachability which God requires of His disciples. It was a form of pride. A pride like unbelief, a, a part of an attitude of the will. These people were, remained silent because they knew that if they were to say, yes, it is, it is lawful to do good, and Jesus healed the land, they had a law that they'd made up that you can only save somebody if it's life-saving, or you can only help somebody if it's saving their life. But if it's not saving their life, then you can't help them or heal them on the Sabbath. And so if they were to say, well, it's good, then they were breaking their own laws that they had made up. Again, it's possible to be very religious and yet very selfish. Jesus is saying that God has given you this gift of grace, but you are missing it, and you're using it to destroy people. God has given you this gift of the Sabbath to connect with me, You see, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. The temple was for bringing people to God. Not about coming to do and obey rules, but about bringing people into the presence of God. And Jesus is saying there is something greater here than even the temple, and that is God in flesh. The Sabbath is not about a day off or following a bunch of rules. The Sabbath is about connecting with me says Jesus I am the one who will give you your weary soul the rest that is needed and most tragically as he's looking at these Pharisees you won't connect with me you are so religious and yet you are so far from me what is the Sabbath the Sabbath is to stop from your work, to enjoy rest, to delight in God, to contemplate and to ponder who God is and what he's done for you. And when we do this, we will find our soul restored like, like Jesus restores the hand of this withered, this withered hand of this man. Jesus is saying, I will restore you like I'm restoring this man's hand if you would come to me. If you're weary today, Jesus wants to restore you, to bring restoration to your soul. He says this in Matthew 11. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So oftentimes we may take a day off but not a Sabbath. We'll take a day off from work. We'll take a vacation day. and We just fill our day off with entertainments. We'll fill our day off with Something to make us happy and to enjoy. But we don't take time to connect with God. To delight in His creation. To come to Him. If you're carrying a yoke and it's not easy and it's heavy, then you're not carrying the yoke that Jesus has for you. You're carrying some other kind of yoke. If following Jesus right now feels very heavy and very burdensome, then you're not carrying Jesus' yoke because Jesus says my yoke is, is easy and light. So the Sabbath was made for man. It was made for us. It was made for us to connect with God. It was made for us to find rest for our souls on a weekly rhythmic basis so that we don't find ourselves soul weary. So we don't find ourselves in a place where we're too busy to care about the people we care most about. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, and Jesus says the Sabbath is for you to connect with me. It's not about a day, it's not about a location, it's about a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. So what are the results if someone were to practice a rhythmic weekly Sabbath of taking time to stop, to rest, to delight and to contemplate and to ponder the love of God. I would assume probably if you take time, now it takes effort, it take, it's a discipline that you must put in place. It's a discipline meaning that you have to prepare the, the day before the Sabbath to get things in order so that you can actually rest, right? There's so many things that are in constant motion that it takes extra work. Remember even like in the wilderness that the Israelites had to collect double portions of the manna so that on the Sabbath they could rest and not have to collect manna in the morning. God provided extra portions on the day before. God provides for us what we need in order to take time to spend with him. He will take care of the work. But what would happen? Well, I bet some of you might fall asleep, take a nap that you need desperately, and you don't need to feel guilty about taking a nap. You'll have time to smell the roses or appreciate an evening walk and see the lightning bugs and I hear by the way, there's more lightning bugs this year. Anybody else notice that? My wife and I were taking a walk up in Pennsylvania. There was like lightning bugs everywhere. We're like, I've never noticed this before. I remember like some lightning bugs, but they were just like everywhere, but you have the opportunity to smell the roses, to appreciate God's creation, to watch a bee fly from one flower to the next flower to the next flower. To take time to really connect with God. To sit still and and to listen. Just listen. And to wrestle with God. To say, God, I'm struggling with this. And allow God to speak to you. And as you connect with God, you'll be able to connect with people in your life that you care most about. Because when we connect with God, we're able to see people in a way that God sees them. We're able to have compassion for people that really ignore us or annoy us because we see them with a compassionate heart like God sees them. We don't see them as people in the way from our agenda that needs to get done or people that um, are supposed to do what we need them to do in order so that we can be um, accomplished or successful, but we see them as people, people loved by God's people that God calls us to love and to show mercy and grace. So this week, I just want to encourage you to think about what would it be like to practice a Sabbath in which God, Jesus, taught about. What is it about the Sabbath that God wants us to experience about who He is and about how finite we are and how infinite He is? Would you close with me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, You have established this day in the week in which we are to stop so that we can rest, so that we can delight in You and Your creation. To connect with you. Because we know that life is about you. All things have been created for your glory. And it's our desire to follow you. To live and follow your spirits. To abide in the vine. We recognize that, Jesus, you've told us that apart from you, we can do nothing. Nothing. So help us to practice this weekly rhythm of Shabbat so that we may connect with you and to connect with others in a fresh way, acknowledging that we can't earn salvation, that it's dependent upon your work in our lives. A reminder that not everything revolves around us. Not everything is sitting on our shoulders, but that it's actually in your hands. That we can trust you. That we can put down the phone and we can turn off the TV, the screen, and be able to listen to you. Lord, I pray for all of us here today that we would be able to experience your grace in a fresh way this week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.